Welcome to another episode of Backlash Podcast. This week we're going to talk to, I don't know, whoever's hanging out at Brad's house because somebody's a terrible host of the podcast and didn't line up a guest. Well, I lined one up for tomorrow and that'll, that'll work. And I got one for Friday, so I mean, that would work. But the one for tomorrow we're not going to record because we got this one going already and I got to get a podcast out. So that's uh, kind of what's going on. We're just going to have a general fishing discussion. There will be plenty of time for us to talk about early fall muskies probably starting i don't know maybe next week's episode what, what do you guys think we're gonna talk about tonight i think we should uh maybe ask brad five questions i've asked many guides five questions i should maybe ask chase five questions and if you guys were bored you could ask me five questions i don't know what what are you, what are you guys planning for this evening that sounds like a good plan already you, you kind of laid it out there for us let's do it um i i'm looking forward to the five questions that we can give you jeff all right i don't know if, i don't know if i can answer five questions but i can definitely ask five questions i probably should mention that it's not only is it brad hoppy with muskie mayhem tackle we also have chase gibson of gibson's guide service but probably more through muskie bumper sounds like chase unless you're filming stuff with brad you're not really doing a ton of fishing no, no, the fishing has been very slim this year. Um, guiding has been slimmer, and musky bumper is definitely taking up most of my time, and that is a good thing. And when I do go fishing, we're filming, so you guys can actually see when I do get to fish, which is about 12 days a year now because we've got 12 <laughs> episodes. <laughs> so what you're saying is the musky bumper, buying musky bumper was a very good decision, right? That was very good. Oh, that was a great, great decision. Everybody should. Get, if you want to fish more, I've I found this out. You just get involved in the fishing industry. You buy a company or however you want to within the fishing industry. That will absolutely help your time on the water. Yeah, that uh, that is awful advice, even though I know you're being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping I was hoping to get this and continue doing my deal of guiding. I had a really good clientele base. I still have a very good clientele base and I actually feel bad because I can't get those guys out like I want to, but I was planning on keeping my good clientele base and keeping those guys fishing just here and there whenever I could and then working on musky bumper on the rest, but that's not how it's working out. It's working out where I'm in the shop every day building these boards and Brad's helping me when he's not building bucktails. So I don't know. It's exciting. Very exciting. Hopefully uh, it slows down just a little bit here in September so I can take advantage of some really good fishing. Um, I'm not really worried about it right now because it seems like the fishing's been a little slow, but I don't know. It's exciting. It will. Brad, you can talk about this a little bit. We typically go through this every year. You start to see things slide down a little bit here in September, and they're going to slide a little more in October, and they're going to slide a little bit in November. Then it'll kind of, that'll be like rock bottom, and then you start going to shows in January. And it's in that time in December where you go, hmm, are we going to get sales again next year? <laughs> and then Fortunately, we've always gotten them coming the next year, so that's good. But it's it's always a cycle, and I'm sure, Brad, you've seen it over and over and over. I think a lot of people end up, uh, you know, it's that time of the year where kids are going back to school, and you've got football and volleyball and everything else going on. And, and the summer is pretty much here, you know. I mean, we're about a week away from it, and that's when people really tend to get busy, right? So. There's that trend, and I think uh, the hardcore guys, I mean, everybody waits for the month of September, right? They're looking for that first cool down. Hopefully, like we talked about last week, we don't have that warm-up, cool down, warm-up, cool down. And that's kind of the way it's been here the last couple of weeks. But uh, hopefully September just evens out and it's an even keel. We get a nice cool down, and it kind of rides through that whole month, and, and that's when fishing is really special. I'm praying for snow next week. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a couple of days. <laughs> well, Brad, you know, you talked about the uh, people starting volleyball, football, kids going back to school. It's kind of like you just, you know, we just had this conversation like a minute, a few minutes ago about why I didn't have a guest lined up. And I said, well, it's because, you know, my kids st all start sports in the fall. So it's like I had like this nice little three week break, no baseball, no kids playing volleyball or football. And now that all went by the wayside so my schedule every single night aside from tonight is 
full. And Friday night, we, we we're going to record a podcast on Friday night, I believe. So that one we got to keep open too. So I mean, we got that to look forward to. So that's exciting stuff when you're in the musky industry. You can instead of going out with your friends on Friday night or going out to dinner, you can record podcasts. It's it's great. Although let's just let's be real. I mean, it's not all down. It, it, there is a lot of enjoyable moments within the industry, and you know, Chase is ex- expressing his frustrations, but that it'll, it'll, it's just gr- growing pains that Chase will work out, and and he'll be back on the water in in short order, and I, I'm I'm confident he'll figure it out. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm very happy with uh, how everything's worked out. I really wouldn't wanted any other way honestly but you couldn't set it better it's definitely growing pains but i feel like i've been growing pains since i was about 15 trying to make my way into this industry as i have but i don't know i'm excited like i said but i do want to get some fishing in we'll jump back to that in a little bit about you you getting a start but let's talk about weather over there in minnesota as much like wisconsin so last week when we recorded this podcast i thought we were for sure going to be looking at full-blown you know we're, we're getting into early you know late summer early fall patterns fish migration shallow and i think i might have had a hoodie on when i was recording the podcast last week and that is 100 percent going to change it changed over the weekend it was very warm and today was a little bit cooler but now we're looking at the rest of the week i think i saw highs in the 90s you know brad for anglers looking to hit the water Maybe Chase, you can weigh in on this as well. Like, what do you think is going to happen here? Because we had that; those water temperatures were dropping. They're definitely going back up again. Yeah, and that, that's part of the equation that I was just talking about. I'm I'm hoping that the month of September isn't like that. But unfortunately, that's kind of been our weather pattern in the last three to five years, right? And it really puts these fish in a funk. It's almost like they don't know where to go or what to do, right? So you end up doing a bunch of different stuff. You're still going to have some migration because I think that calendar wise, it doesn't seem to matter. You know, that labor, te- labor day time frame, they just start to kind of mosey their way in shallow. Even if you have some of those warm spells, they might be a little bit more lethargic, but they're still going to be moving a little bit shallower. So you're definitely going to want to look for those green weeds. Uh, pay attention. You're going to start seeing some of that bait pushing in there as well and the muskies will be shortly behind them. I definitely agree with that. From what I've seen up here in the last three years, it's the calendar year for sure, because the first year I came up, we had a nice hard cold snap. Fishing was absolutely unbelievable. Tons of big fish, um, just in super shallow water, which was extremely weird for me. Um, And then last year we dealt with the getting super hot, getting super cold deal over and over and over and those fish are up there but i if i had to say i don't think as many or as many big ones did the push like they did two years ago um that's why i said earlier i'm hoping it's snowing here in the next two weeks <laughs> not not real long but i'd love a snow day <laughs> <laughs> let's not go quite that cold but <laughs> we'll probably see that in october we have the last couple of years absolutely we have it gets it goes warm to really cold really quick and then oddly enough it like stabilizes and then actually starts to kind of warm up at the end of november it's a very weird odd pattern that we've had but it's been like that a few times hopefully we could avoid something like that i would prefer if we just had like when you get to september if you could just get that nice steady decline without too many increases man that makes life a lot easier i feel like this year me not being on the water as much i'm definitely on social media more trying to i don't know trying to just keep myself in the mode of wow i actually do musky fish but right now i'm not so i have to try to keep looking at people's fish and whatnot and i would say that this year compared to last year it seems like a lot more fish are getting caught and i always find it interesting paying attention to the weather um throughout the year and then compared to fish getting caught throughout the whole country i'm not talking about just here in minnesota i'm talking about back home in west virginia kentucky everywhere and uh, i really feel like this year has been a lot more consistent everybody seems to be catching some fish everywhere um some places are lights out some places are just regular but i feel like nothing is extremely dead and i feel like last year there definitely was those periods um where you weren't every weekend you weren't getting on Facebook and there wasn't 30 musky pictures on there. I feel like it was a lot slower last year and the weather was a lot crazier last year. I feel like. 
All right, Chase. So I, I wanted to jump back to your start as a guide because I got an email the other day and I never replied back to him yet, but hopefully he says he listens every week. So it says, um, I really want to get started guiding next year and taking fishing to the next level, but I don't know where to start, especially in the sea of good sticks nowadays and guides all over. It would be really cool if you had the guys talk about their start, not just when they started fishing, but when and how they took it to that level. I listen every week, and honestly, I'm going to go to Leech this weekend, thanks to Seifert. Poor kid's going to go and listen to something that Matt has to say. Anyways, (laughs) (laughs) let's, uh, let's talk about that a little bit. I don't have much to offer in the way of guiding, but... I'm sure that you guys do. One thing I can say for sure, and I know that Brad's going to go down this hole, is if you want to guide, you're going to have to basically work your butt off because what you're going to want is a stable income from one job, and then your side deal is going to have to be the guiding thing. Am I somewhat correct in that, Brad? Well, I think you're touching on it, right? I mean, I've had a lot of young guys come to me and they say they want to guide and having a good job with tons of freedom that, you know, a lot of cases it ends up being in the construction world where they might be building houses, uh, maybe they're plumbers, electricians, whatever it might be that allows them the freedom to be able to go do the guide trip on, on Tuesday versus having the only guide on the weekends, right? So that freedom part is a big part, but you definitely want to have something to lean on, you know, because it's not something that's going to happen overnight. It takes years to build a clientele base. And in order to go full time and do it, you know, like I did it for 12, 14 years where it was every day of that six month period that I was able to fish. It took probably, oh, let me think. It took a good five years to to get to that point where I could just pull the trigger and say, all right, I'm in full time. Along with that, Jeff, I mean, part of the equation as well is you better be showing up to, to shows. You should have some relationships with some of your bait shop, uh, tackle shops in your neck of the woods so that you get some word out that way. Um Local Muskie's Inc. chapters, you know, go there and offer to do some speaking arrangements, uh, poolside demonstrations. Um, I'm just talking off the cuff right now, but I, all of those things helped me get to where I was going. And it's kind of weird. I was almost forced into it myself. So I was just fishing every day by myself, right? But the word gets out that you're doing well and, and you're catching fish. And it's kind of amazing how that all falls together. But... Our local bait shop up here, Christopherson's Bait in Alexandria, started calling me and hounding me because they had people coming in there. They wanted to musky fish, but they didn't know where to start. They didn't know the lake. They didn't know the equipment, and they were looking for that guide. And so after getting multiple, multiple phone calls, I finally said, okay, let's do this. I'll, I'll take them on a guide trip. And that's how I kind of stumbled onto it for myself. And then... You know, doing the show thing and everything else, I met probably one of the biggest uh, players in this whole thing about helping me in the networking side was Greg Thomas. You know, I started talking to Greg. I started fishing with him both in Kentucky and here in Minnesota. And Greg started sharing clientele with me and vice versa. And, you know, if you can network with some other guides that are willing to, to help provide you some of the, the trips that you need and the clientele, that definitely makes life a lot easier. But uh, I'd say it comes down to being seen, being heard. And, you know, in today's world of social media, I, I don't know. I don't have the social media figured out whatsoever. I mean, Chase and I have man's 10,000 cast the TV show. And we just don't do it. We don't, we don't get on there and play that game. And honestly, it's kind of nice just being hidden a little bit in that sense but um the social media side definitely helps a lot of people but i don't have the answers to help somebody there i would say it's more more up to you know writing articles doing seminars and communicating well basically what i hear brad is a lot of you better be willing to work your your butt off for lack of a better word i mean for the most part, that's what it comes down to. If you're willing to work hard, 
And, you know, if your buddies are going out on a whatever Friday night and you're like, nope, I got to stay in. I got to be on the water. I, you know, you basically just keep grinding. I think that, you know, in today's world, it's easier than ever to build a business quickly. And in a sense, because of the use of social media, I mean, you can continue to just basically flood your family and friends with pictures of you catching fish. Inevitably, somebody's going to be like, hey, you should take me fishing. And then you do, and then it's a word of mouth thing at that point as well. You know, they, they say, Hey, you go, you know, it, go, go fishing with this guy. He, uh, he took me out. We caught fish. I had fun, but I mean, Brad, that's the other thing too. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. I've said it before, like, you know, guiding is as much about entertainment as it is about putting a fish in the net. If you're not that much fun to be around in the boat, you are not going to last that long as a guide. Yeah, I would agree with that 100%, Jeff. You know, it's not only the entertainment side, but it's the educational side. In my opinion, um, some of the first things that I would always do when I had new clients, even old clients, um, luckily for me, I had a ton of repeat clients. So I was able to, you know, build friendships and relationships with these individuals over a period of years. And, and, you know, you look in your calendar and go, oh, you know, so-and-so is coming next Wednesday. And you look forward to that because literally you, be, you develop friendships with that. But what I was going to say is the first thing that I would do is we're pulling away from the dock is I would look at my guys and say, why did you hire me? And they might've been in my boat three or four times, but I still wanted to ask them why they hired me again. Right. And the reason that I would ask that simple question, plain and simple, it, what it amounts to is they're providing me an expectation. And so if I don't know what their expectation is, I'm not going to meet it. They might be there to learn spots. They might be there to learn how to fish a certain bait. They might be there just to rack up numbers. They might be there to develop better uh, patterning for themselves, you know, and am I figure eighting right? But as long as you know what that is, then you can actually work on doing that. And I think a lot of guides just think, well, they're here to catch a 50 incher. Well, that's part of the equation for some individuals, but other individuals are, are wanting to learn how to run the boat. They want to understand, you know, what equipment that they need. So there's a lot to it. And, you know, the entertainment side is another big factor. I mean, if you're no fun, you're just a slug in the back of the boat while they're up there casting and you're on your phone or whatever, it's not going to work out for you. So you hit it on the head as well. Hard work is the bottom line. I don't care what it is that you want to do in life. I've said this a thousand times on this podcast. I've said it in seminars. I've said it to a lot of people. Um, they look at Muskie Mayhem Tackle and the success that we've had. It, it doesn't come by resting on the couch, I can tell you that. And I just believe that no matter what it is you want to do in your life, work hard at it and you will succeed. And you're going to run into some walls at some point in time. But when you hit that wall, you get knocked down, get back up, brush yourself off, and charge full steam ahead again. I mean, that that's the bottom line. And uh, that's how you learn, too. So I can tell you, I mean, my whole story about starting this tackle company with my wife and everything else, it was not easy. I was working on a full-time job. She quit her job. Um, I was guiding full-time, still working full-time, so I was doing a lot of night trips and changing my work schedule so that it would work, using vacations and doing whatever I had to do. But that's what my dream and my vision was. And nothing, I don't care what it was, nothing was going to get in the way of that. And it worked out. And I think uh, if I could change anything, I, I don't know that I could because ultimately the experience has been fun. I met tons and tons of cool people, both with the tackle business as well as guiding um, built and developed tons of relationships outside of the guiding as well as in the guiding. And I've been truly blessed. I mean, 100%. And I couldn't have done any of it without the people that listen to this podcast, the people that have supported us in the TV show, the videos I did before, and the tackle business. And I feel truly, truly blessed as well as thankful to all the individuals out there that have supported us over the years. Well said, Brad. So let's move on to Chase. So Chase, you're obviously a lot younger, and I feel like your rise was fairly quick. Let's talk about that because I think yours would probably be potentially through the use of social media. Would you agree, or or what do you what do you think led to you 
you you coming up fairly quickly. All he had to do, Jeff, was catch a state record. I mean, that, I, that, I would imagine that helps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, that didn't help at all. <laughs> I would imagine that probably helps. Um. Yeah, Jeff. I really don't know why I decided to be a guide or anything like that. I, I can't really put a thumb. I've been sitting here thinking about that. But what I did, and I actually, I don't know. I'm very similar to what Brad said. I, I was raised um, to have very good worth ethic. And I'm telling you, everything that I've done so far has been based off of my dad teaching me to work hard. And being 13 years old, I didn't want to work. Of course not. Because you're 13. You don't want to do anything. But he made me work. And I am truly grateful for that. And it has helped me a ton in life. Um, and it, it went right hand, right hand in hand with guiding. But what I would say that helped me a ton is when I was a young kid, I was always a real shy kid, right? Well, in high school, as soon as I got old enough, um, I got a job, my first job. And it was a retail job. And through that retail job doing it, I never realized it. But once I started guiding, I did. Um, I became very good at talking to people. I can talk to anybody I want to. That is a huge, huge um, advantage when it comes to guiding. Because you got guys, those guys can be driving eight hours away, driving to come fish with you. And they have no idea who you are. You have no idea who you, they are. I mean, you're meeting a complete stranger. You need to be able to break down the uh, awkwardness make them laugh, have fun and catch them some fish. So I think that's a huge part of guiding is being able to talk to people. And that was one way that I did it was working a retail job like that. Um, once I decided that I was really going to start guiding, I had, there was a year that I wanted to get start and I decided not to, um, because I didn't feel like I could put people in fish like I wanted to. One big crucial factor to that was, is I just didn't have as much time on the, on the body of water that I wanted to start guiding on. Um, so I started, uh, really picking that place apart all times a year, like times a year that I've never heard of anyone ever fishing it. I went out there and tried to figure it out and I ended up doing that. And all that was, was time on the water and working as hard as I possibly could on the water, trying to figure it out. And that helped me. So then when I decided to start guiding, I was fully prepared for anything that happened. Okay. So now it's turnover. Well, if I didn't, if I went the year before that, I wouldn't have known what to do. Now I do. So I, I prepared myself to put people on fish because that was the most important thing in my eyes was I did not want to start guiding and then start blanking trips every other week or every other day. So that's a huge thing. I think that any younger guys that are listening to this or anyone that's just deciding to guide, a big thing is, is you, you may be able to catch 10 fish a day, but there's a humongous difference between you catching a bunch of fish and you putting someone else catching a bunch of fish that can't cast the bait caster. That is a humongous difference. And there's some guides out there that are unbelievable at that. And there's some guides out there that aren't that great at that, but there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm just saying it's very important to realize that just because you're hot and you're catching all these fish every year does not mean that you're going to be very successful like that guiding. You got to know how to catch fish no matter what. Me and Brad's talked about it with uh, Greg Thomas. He's talking about how he used to guide on Mille Lacs and Greg's got two super old crippled dudes walking in the boat. And Brad's like, there's no way he's catching a fish. And then they go back to the dock and Greg's got a 50 inch that guy caught a 50 inch that day. And that really opened up my eyes because I really... I've done that a lot with, with older guys. Cause where I, where I started guiding, I, I got a lot of older dudes, um, that were retired in the state of West Virginia. Cause there's really no one down there guiding. So they all wanted to go musky fishing. So then I got a lot of older guys that aren't extremely capable of throwing big baits all day. So they could be eating a, a, a detonator burning as fast as you can. If you could do that for eight hours, I'm guaranteeing you five fish that could happen, but those guys are not going to do that. So I had to adapt to get them to catch a fish doing something completely off the wall. So when I was preparing myself to start guiding, what I used to do is if I go out there and I catch a fish, just say on a black and nickel detonator, I'd catch that fish. I would maybe throw it for another hour or two. And if I figured out that that was actually a pretty decent pattern, I would completely quit that pattern. I didn't care to catch any more fish. Now I need to know how to combat that. What, what goes good with those fish eating that detonator going Mach 10? I need to know what other bait for the guy in the back of the boat to throw. 
And once I did that, that helped a lot. And that, that, that's what a lot of the success my clients had with me came from was me doing that over the years. I was, I was keeping myself from catching fish, but I was learning more on the water every day quicker. As far as getting your name out there, the biggest thing I did was social media was humongous for me. Um, I believe Facebook is the way to go. If you are wanting to be a guide, Facebook is, is the, is the crap. Instagram wasn't ever really big for me and still isn't to this day. Facebook's awesome. I don't post anything on my guide page and I still get a message or two every week, every two weeks or whatever. Um, it's remarkable to me. And I think the biggest reason that Facebook's so much better for the musky guiding is because a lot of the guys that you're going to be guiding are older guys. They're older guys, they're retired, or they're just an older guy that's, man, you know what? I've caught walleyes all my life. I want to catch a muskie. Those guys are on Facebook. They don't have Instagrams. Um, so Facebook is the way to go, in my opinion. And like Brad said, networking. Networking's huge. So I think Greg definitely helped me a lot as well as far as pointing me in the right direction, getting me contacts of people to talk to. Um, but I will say that I feel like it's a really it's a thing that happens a lot anymore is guys get on a pro staff right they're they're on i'm on this pro staff now and then they do that but then you get in their boat and they've got the complete competitor of their pro staff's baits in the boat and it's just it's weird to me because i, I feel like loyalty is a huge thing if you're going to commit to someone, you need to commit to them, not commit to them. And then when they quit giving you free baits or whatever, they drop you or you drop them and start throwing someone else's stuff. I think that's a, that's a, a big no, no. If you get with just a select few of the manufacturers in the business or bait shops, be very loyal to them. They'll realize it and they will help you as out as much as they possibly can. Um, I know uh, Matt Gunkel, he was one of the first ones that, um, help me out to this day. Of course, I use all kinds of crankbaits, but to this day, Matt, me and Matt are great buddies. I still use his products. I still catch a ton of fish on his products. Um, Brad is, is the same way. Um, got hooked up with Brad. I, I don't throw any more bucktails. And I, when I very first, when I started working with Brad, I told him, I said, there's only really one other bucktail that I throw every now and then. And he said, that's fine. Throw it. I don't care. And to this day, I cannot throw it. Even though I know he does not care, I just can't do it. Um, I don't know why. I just can't do it. But all these guys, when you get hooked up with them, they all help you out eventually as long as you treat them good. And don't expect anything for free. That's a big one, too. A lot of guys are running around wanting free baits all the time. These bait makers, now I'm in the business. I know how it is, too. When you ask a guy for a bait for free, you got to realize in your head that you're not the only one doing that. We get it all the time. Brad gets it all the time. I'm sure you get it all the time, Jeff, that guys are just wanting stuff, wanting stuff, wanting stuff. And sometimes it's a good thing for us to do that for them, but sometimes it's not. But as far as becoming, I guess I'm getting off topic a little bit. I'm rambling, but becoming a guide, I think the biggest thing is make sure you're prepared. Make sure you prepare yourself to know the water, know the conditions and what to do on those conditions and know how to get the guy that you would look at in the morning at the boat ramp. And you're like, man, I am going to struggle today. You need to know how to get him a fish. It could be impossible. It could be absolutely impossible. And guess what? You get it done because you're trying as hard as you can. And you, I, and you have that backup plan always. That's a huge part to my success when I, when I was doing some guiding. It was, was always having a backup plan of what I'm going to do next. If this doesn't work or if this guy can't do this, if he's not working the bait right, I'll tell him two or three times. And if they can't get it down, I'll give them something else that can compare and get bit. But that is, uh, guiding is a, a great thing. I, I would recommend it to really anyone that is, you got to be in love with this sport though. It's not something, it's not something if you're, if you're thinking, nah, I'd like to guide, then you're probably not going to be a, we want to do a full-time guide. You got to be like, I have to full-time guide. I want to be on the water every single day of my life. That guy is going to become a full-time guide. And I'll be honest right now. I miss guiding every day, but I'm also doing what I need to do to get farther ahead in life, in my opinion. So I'm going to guide on the side a little bit, but I'm not full-timing like I really want to. I miss it, but I don't know. It's a very loaded question there. And I know I'm just rambled for 10 minutes but it's a 
it's a huge thing. It's all about networking. It's all about working hard and having backup plans when things don't work out. A lot of good advice there, Chase, especially, you know, you've more recently been, been through that, uh, you know, that rise than what Brad has. So it's, uh, it's good. I got one little thing real quick. <laughs> um, He's turning in the secret. I guess, I guess I am. This is, <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, this is weird. Adding to what Brad said, and I've probably said it on this podcast before. When I started guiding my first week of guiding, I had three trips. And I remember being so nervous for those three trips because fishing was horrible. My first trip out, the guy caught a fish. My second trip out, we blanked. We blanked from daylight to dark. I did not want to get off that. I did not want to pull that boat out of the water. Didn't want to have a blank trip until finally the guy said, all right, let's go. So I blanked the second trip, blanked the third trip. And the fourth trip, I think we caught one. But I remember thinking after those two blank trips of my first three guide trips, I remember thinking, man, I, I am not cut out for this. I, I've got to I've got to quit doing this. I'm going to cancel all my trips, give everyone their deposits back. I'm not doing it. And the, the reason I wasn't doing it is because I was frustrated because I couldn't get these people fish. Well, you know what happened after that that week? The very next week, one of those clients calls me. He says, Chase, I'd like to book two more days with you. I'm like, Keith, what, what are you talking about? Why would you book another trip with me? We didn't catch anything. He's like, Chase, I don't care if we caught anything. He said, dude, you worked so hard that day, and you listened to my stories all day. He said, you put up with me, and you worked as hard as you could to get to fish. He said, fish don't bite every day. And that was a real eye-opener for me. Um, that I, I still tell Keith to this day. The reason I still, well, I guess I'm not guiding anymore, but the reason I guided so long is because of him. I literally almost quit, and he opened up my eyes that it's not just about catching a fish, just like Brad said. It's all about making those uh, making those connections with your client and uh, and just working hard, working as hard as you can to get them a fish. Now we can go to your questions. All right. Finally, Chase is done. Seifert <laughs> has relinquished the telephone <laughs> those, those subtitles are going to be real long to read how to switch throat a book and subtitles <laughs> oh yeah well there was back in the beginning there where you were talking about work ethic i i, I wanted to say like you had some nice like southern southern drawl to that work ethic but worth it yeah well, yeah yeah there you go that was it i was gonna say were you on a walkie-talkie <laughs> <laughs> it, i think i'm starting to lose it but it, it comes back every now and then oh yeah all right so brad let me ask you a couple questions let's go with um grandma's versus jake's uh, i was always a huge huge 10 inch jake fan in the last five years i'm more of a 13 inch grandma okay now i want to follow up a little bit on that i don't want to be so so uh you know point blank what do you think is the reason why you switched over? Uh, number one, I, I like big baits. It's kind of strange, Jeff. For a long, long time, I'm talking probably 20 years, the 10-inch Jake provided me just unbelievable fall trolling. And the grandma would always provide me good spring trolling. And it's kind of changed a little bit. I would say that uh, for whatever reason, and some of this might be due to the, the foil that the grandmas are using on the side of their baits. And not that, uh, not that the Jakes don't have some of that foil, but I, I do think that calls in fish. And there's something, I mean, they swim totally different in their own way. Um, I don't know. I, I think it ends up being a confidence thing at the end of the day. When you start catching on a, a particular bait you kind of sway away from some of the others and we've mixed in the 10 inch jakes the last couple of years but grandma has uh provided more fish so i'm leaning more grandma the last five seven years all right then let's go with uh split grip versus full cork rods hmm, that's a loaded question but i i will say this so i like rods that are very well balanced um, I'm a little thicker in the midsection than most. So <laughs> the split grip, the poodle grip style really doesn't bother me that much. I will say, you know, when Chase and I were on St. Clair here, not too long ago, we were ripping some, some rubber throughout the whole day. And I could tell with the split grip that it was digging a little bit. 
But honestly, I just figure if you just keep going, you'll get some calluses and it'll work out. Anyway, I, I look at it this way. I want balance. And what I'm talking about in balance, and St. Croix provides this, and this is why I've used St. Croix for a long time. When you have your reel on that rod, put your finger underneath the rod and figure out how heavy that tip is. And it sounds really stupid, but if you have a really forward heavy rod, it's fatigue on your body. Whether you believe it or not, it is fatigue on your body. So I want that balance point to be basically right under the reel or just in, for, in front of it, maybe on the foregrip. And that will allow you less fatigue as you work a bait throughout every, you know, all day doing whatever baits you might be doing. If you're holding up that front end of the rod all day long, it's going to start wearing on you, whether you realize it or not. So balance, in my opinion, is more important. And if you have a split grip and that rod's balanced with that split grip, ride it. Go with it, you know. But uh, it's pretty cool right now. Chase and I are having the opportunity to do some uh, testing of some new rods. And I'm sure guys are going to look at our rods this year on Mayhem's 10,000 cast. And they're going to see, what, what are these black rods? Well, these rods are some rods that we're testing for St. Croix right now. We've been very involved in the development of these rods. I'm super, super excited about them. I think the public's going to love them. Um, the new grasp is involved in that. And they actually have a new grip on the back end of that as well. So I don't know how much of that I can talk about, but I, I can honestly tell you they are super, super balanced. And if you're a 500 Tranks guy, it's really balanced. It's remarkable how well that, that rod lays out. So look for a rod that's going to be balanced. It's going to provide you more comfort. I like that, Brad. Thicker. That's what I'm going to start using when I talk about myself. Yes, I'm not fat. I'm thick. Well, it's just a polite way to say it, right? That's what I'm saying. It I'll, makes, I'll you, say it it makes you sound I'm tougher. Like, yeah, I'm not fat. I'm thicker. I don't know if it does make you sound tougher because I feel like that's more of a woman thing to say is that she's thick. Really? <laughs> that's what you say, athletic. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All it's right. kind of like, like when you got a young kid and he's maybe a little heavier, they say, well, he's just husky. He's big boned. And big boned, yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, let's see here. What else do I got for you, Brad? How about mag dogs versus pounders? Well, there was a time in my life, man, I was fortunate enough to have some of the very first pounders, I'm going to say probably 03, 04, before the public even seen them. And the pounders were an incredible bait, but at 53 years old, I'm uh, slowing down from the pounders. Not that I won't throw them, but I'm more of a mag, mag dog guy. All right, let's go with one with your baits. Let's go uh, grenade versus cowgirl. Hmm. <laughs> Wow, that one's a good twist, Jeff. Jeff, you know the answer to this. It was a horrible question. If there was one bait that I could have uh, the rest of my life, it would be the cowgirl. There's no question about it because it is very versatile. Um, the grenade is a phenomenal bait, and it keeps proving itself time and time again on the water with us. It, it blows my mind, um, not only for casting. You control them, too, so... You're going to probably see some of that on Mayhem's 10,000 casts this year. It's a, it's a neat, versatile bait, but I'm going to have to say cowgirl. Last one for you, Brad. I don't know if I've ever asked you this or not. but full six isn't it? I don't know. I think I asked you grandmas versus Jake's, full grips versus split grips, mag dog pounder, grenade versus cowgirl. All right. I, I told you. I told you he has to count these blades twice every time he's counting these yeah, blades. Exactly. I, I mean, I can count to five, I think. <laughs> so I can I can get to twenty one if I have my shoes off and my pants unzipped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother! All right. <laughs> full full moon or new moon, Brad? I prefer new moon. Typically, um, I like the dark. And in my neck of the woods, most of the bodies of water that I'm going to fish. We have enough light pollution that I think you can still use some colored baits, especially after dark. But new moon has always provided me better fishing consistently over the years. Not that full moon can, can be bad. I mean, it can always be a really good time as well, but definitely new moon for me. Okay. You got some questions for Chase? No, I'm thinking of my questions for you. Oh, all right. 
Well, let's see here. So I've been down this a bunch of times. Um, I'm, let me try to think here what I want to do with. Oh, let's try this one here, Chase. Let's go. Let's go with. Go ahead. What'd you say? I was just gonna say you're gonna go with extremely simple questions the way I just talked a little bit ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We're gonna make it a little tougher. Good. Uh, let's go, Fat Bastard or Cannonball Junior. Hmm. To be honest with you, I don't throw a ton of tail prop baits like that when it's flat calm, and the reason I don't is because I feel like that is getting prop baits like that um, are getting seen more by fish than any other bait. So generally, I don't typically throw one of those, um, one of those two, unless I have a good little chop. And when I do have a good little chop, I throw the Cannonball Junior. So nine times out of ten, Cannonball Junior, that's going to be my answer, but. I have caught a lot of fish on those uh, on the fat bastard going a little slower, but probably Cannonball Junior for sure. All right. Well, I know that you have thrown some flap tails, you know, and let's just throw one out here with bomb squad baits. Let's go with an MK65 or a C4. MK65 all day. And I would like to say something about that. Go ahead. Um, Gavin from St. Croix here last Hold night. on, time out a second. It would be very un-Matt Seifert-like if you didn't say something about that. Didn't say something about what? About, you said you wanted to add on to that. So, well, Matt oh. Seifert wouldn't just say, like, MK65 and move on to the next question. <laughs> okay. Well, Gavin was here last night, and we were talking about those two baits, and he says, I said, you don't need to get on MK65 yet? He said, no, not really. I think I need the C4. I think they want a smaller profile. And I told him exactly what I thought. Back home on my water, it's all shad-based. I have a very, very short window of topwater fishing, and when that short window does happen, the baits that I'm going to catch fish on, the biggest topwater bait I had ever caught a fish on back home was a Dr. Evil. And the best one was the little bastard, the teeny tiny one. I've got 44, 45 inches on the little bastard back home and buzz baits. So I thought, okay, the C4 is going to be perfect for back home because it's little and it's loud and it's different. No one's throwing a flap down here. That's what I'm going to throw. I threw that thing. When I was guiding and my clients wanted me to guide, I would always throw something that I hadn't caught a fish on because I didn't want to steal any fish or steal any fish for the guy tomorrow. So I threw the C4 all fall last year. I didn't do any good on that thing. And then my buddy of mine, Cody, we were talking about it. He's like, all right, let's just go over and do a full day, only throwing top waters. And I was like, I'm fine with that. So we went over on a good overcast day. He threw the MK65 all day and I threw all kinds of stuff. And he caught a fish on the MK65, had two or three other fish follow it. And I was just super confused because I can't get them to look at a fat bastard, anything bigger than a Dr. Evil, like anything bigger than that. I've never had anything ever on it. So for him to all of a sudden catch these fish on an MK65 and raise them on that, it's just, it was weird to me. And then I can't get them to look at a C4. So I have no idea, but I can promise you this. If you're scared of the size of the MK65, it does not matter because I've caught 25 inches on it. And I don't know how the biggest fish I've caught on it, but I've seen some really big fish eat those things. So it does not matter. Great. We just loaded up on C4s and now you just shot my chance of selling any of them right down the toilet. Well, I tell you what, those C4s are extremely (laughs) good. (laughs) They are good baits. They catch fish. I'm I'm lying. I'm lying. We have a bunch of all of them. (laughs) So it's all good. Well, I... I, The cool thing about some of the C4s is that you can retrieve them really, really fast. And I don't know. I mean, it's kind of a neat little system that he's got there. But uh, I wouldn't say all of them are that way. But if you want to put some speed on a tail prop bait like that, it's, it'll do it. Yeah. Here's the problem is when when you get up, when we're fishing and you catch them on the MK65 and you see – Jeff in the last two years has cut a 54 and a half on it. And all these other giant fish are eating this thing. You're probably not going to throw a different bait. So for me to say that the MK 65 is better than the C4, I can't say that because I don't throw the C4 enough. I know there's guys out there catching plenty of fish on C4s. So I think they're both great, but I definitely prefer the MK 65. All right. How about let's, let's go with the mayhem theme here. We'll go. How about a grenade versus a mini grenade? I'm going to go mini. And the reason I'm going to go mini is 
one, I've definitely done way better on minis for whatever reason. Um, but minis I feel are more versatile for my range of fishing from West Virginia to here. I've done really well on, on minis back home. Um, nothing crazy, but I've actually caught some fish on them. The, the big grenade, think I've got one or two fish on a big grenade, but I got a lot of follows on, on the big grenade back home, but the mini, they eat the crap out of that little thing. So, and then I've caught, I've caught quite a few good sized fish up here too on mini grenades. So I think it's just more versatile style of bait for me, for where I fish. Um, we'll go mini grenade. Okay. Uh, this one will be more of a yes or no question. Beaver baits, yes or no? Because like it's one of these things where it seems like there's a very hardcore group of guys. They love these things, and there's another group of guys that maybe they don't use them. I'm I'm one that doesn't use them, but I'm potentially missing out on fish. Is that a bait that you that you use, or is that a bait that you don't use? Uh, it is a bait that I well I don't I can't say that I use it that much anymore. I did. Um, when they first came out and caught quite a few fish on them back home, haven't really fished them a ton, um, lately. Um, I think the reason that there's such a niche market for those things is because a lot of the guys that are throwing them are straight open water fishing. And you'll notice those guys that are catching fish on beavers. They're also catching fish on mid depth tubes and grenades. Those three baits right there shine in open water. And that's why in June on, on Facebook, you get on Facebook and all the Minnesota fish are getting caught on mid-depth tubes, grenades, or beavers because they're all open water fish. All right. I think that's four. I think I can count still. There was a lot of words in there, though, so it was harder to keep track of yours. Let's go with high-speed reels or low-speed reels. High-speed. I'm going to say high-speed because that's how I fish, but um, you definitely need to have a low-speed reel in there somewhere for those certain days. All right, that's five questions for Chase. Brad, did you come up with anything? I did. I've got a bunch of questions for you. <laughs> All right, the answer is I prefer football over watching volleyball. Hopefully my daughters <laughs> don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> I'm guessing they probably don't. <laughs> they, they do not, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably good for you after that comment. <laughs> All right, so, go ahead. First question, yes. how many hours a week do you sleep? How many hours a week do I sleep? I would say there is seven days in a week. I sleep about five to six hours a night. So is that what? 35 to 42 hours. Is that right? Is my math right? Well, with all of your crazy work hours, I, I had to ask the question because, uh, you know, you were talking about guiding and uh, both Chase and I talked about how the hard work kind of plays to that. But uh your success with Team Rhino Outdoors, your electrical business, this podcast, everything that you do, I mean, I know you're just running your butt off all the time. For the record, I do not recommend this lifestyle for many people. Oh. Like It's one of those <laughs> things where just because I do it does not mean that I condone it or tell you that it's the best decision. I'm telling you all the time. I don't watch TV in my living room, but I'm jealous of people that get to in theirs. <laughs> i agree that's a good way to put it yeah it's kind of funny you guys are here have you seen this movie have you seen this movie no i haven't i haven't seen movies for 20 years come on <laughs> next question yes sir wood, wood versus rubber and your favorite of each of those two baits Ugh, that is a very very difficult question because i would say i rely on them both very heavily gosh if i had only pick one though hmm. i don't know brad that is so difficult i'm gonna maybe go with uh 10 inch suic uh maybe i don't know it's either gonna be a if the choice between the two of them would be a 10 inch weighted suic that's a no doubt and it would either be uh, a mag dog or a reg dog for rubber like those two are 100 percent locked in which one I would pick, man, that is so tough. I don't know. Like we've been, I've been on a pretty decent rubber bite when I've been fishing, but I've had so many days where I've caught fish on suics. I think I'd have to still go with like the 10 inch weighted suic. Makes sense. All right. Next question. Why do you not have any confidence in blade baits? Um, that's a very, really good question as well. Why do I have no confidence in blade baits? 
because I have lots of confidence in wood and rubber. So if I'm throwing blade baits and I'm not catching fish on blade baits, I know that I could get them to go on wood and rubber, it seems like. But, I mean, that's not to say I don't have any confidence, Brad. Like, I, you know, not to, I mean, obviously this is a, you know, you're from Musky Mayhem Tackle, so it's a product that you make, but I am still a very big believer in the detonator. And oddly, I've been reaching for the trigger more often. I should be just throwing bigger, bigger blades. I don't feel like it kills you when you throw it. So I should probably give that more, more runtime than what I do. So I guess, I don't know. I, I can't explain why I don't have confidence in it. Maybe I sometimes feel like I can't figure out whether I should be going fast or slow or, you know, kind of like making an L turn in there or, or going slower and then faster. Whereas like, it seems like I have a cadence down good enough for rubber baits and wood baits. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does. And I think, you know, I'd say chase kind of follows in that same suit. Wouldn't you chase? Yeah. I, uh, I try to be well-rounded, but if I had to say what's my favorite thing to do, it's definitely I don't know if it'd be working rubber or working like a wood bait. I would say, well, wood bait slash dying dog. I think I would rather do that than working rubber or throwing a bucktail. Well, that's why you like the dying dog so much. It's a combination. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Good call, dude. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think we all have our own style of fishing, and we all throw baits to our style. That's, I mean, I know that for a fact. So That's a fact. Yep. Confidence is key. I've said it a million times. It's a fact, but I still buy every single kind of bait that you have on your website. I think we all do. I've been down that road millions of times and yeah. we get new baits in and I still steal them to, to throw them because I just have to have new stuff and just want to see, just want to play with different stuff. It's stupid, but I do. We noticed that last fall when we showed up at your place, we weren't sure if those were baits for sale or <laughs> if they were uh, actually baits of your own. No. Like you probably shouldn't let the crack addict in charge of it. Like the crack addict shouldn't be selling crack, but that's the case here. <laughs> I'd be in the same shoes. I wouldn't make any money if I was doing what you were doing. It's difficult. I'm not gonna lie, but in in some cases, Brad, it's it helped out my addiction to bait to baits because like now I can come up with cool colors. So I used to do this with like smaller manufacturers. We'd come up with a cool color. I'd have one of it. I'd be like, all right, great. That was cool. Now let's do it with another one. Like a, let's do another color. And now I can do that same kind of fun stuff and then I can just sell them. And then if I think it's really awesome, then I can keep one. Well, I think, you know, that's part of being a musky angler as well, Jeff. I think we're all addicted to baits and I think it's part of the pleasure of going fishing, right? You get new baits and you're trying different stuff and doing whatever and i don't know I, I love it i know i just placed an order with you last week so it's weird it truly is and we all are kind of collectors to some degree that's for sure i i agree that's cool stuff all right moving on number four um when are you going to offer afco products at team rhino outdoors uh as soon as i'm able to get more than five or six hours of sleep as soon as, <laughs> as soon as I do that, once I get to that seventh hour, that will free me up enough time to get that product done. That's funny, Jeff. I, I had to put <laughs> you on the spot on that one because I've been hounding you to do it for a long time. For like so. a year, for a year, Brad. It's been forever. In fact, I had a voicemail from your friend from AFCO, and I didn't delete it the other day. I went through a whole bunch of my voicemails and deleted them all out, but I kept it there because this is something that we will get done. Well, that's awesome, awesome news. I'm going to hand over question five to Chase. I can only imagine what this is going to be. <laughs> what are you wearing? <laughs> <laughs> See? I knew it. <laughs> um, lake or river fishing? Which one do you like to do more and why? I like to do river fishing more than I like to do lake fishing Mostly because it seems like I can just find less people. I can just get away from it all. Like it, it's like on a lot of these rivers, especially if you go past Labor Day, there's hardly anybody on them. You won't see very many boats there. It's, you don't see very many houses. So I think I like that. It, you know, it's probably maybe like closer to Canada, I guess I would say than like going to Canada, if that makes any sense. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. But it's it can be frustrating, you know. Like I like to throw suics and bulldogs and stuff a lot, and you get hung up on stumps and get caught in trees because you're trying to close cast close to the bank and all that kind of different stuff. But I really do love river fishing. It's so much fun, and I wish I had more time to do it. It is what it is. I I've been doing a lot of lake fishing as it as it has been lately, but just because they're more accessible in my particular area. But it doesn't mean I don't want to poke around on some some rivers more. Hence the hence why I haven't talked about it in forever, but I still do want to get a jet boat. Well, I know a guy that still has two of them that he needs to sell. <laughs> well, did you bring any of them to Minnesota? No, I had. <laughs> you should have seen what I brought to Minnesota. I, I was the, I needed to bring my box trailer full of my musky bumper stuff, but I could not leave my boat in West Virginia. So, turns out a ranger t- works out pretty good as a box trailer. <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah, I had I had the entire thing completely full of boxes and boards and everything I could possibly have. That is true redneck style right there. Oh, it was awesome. It was just like, uh, what is that show with? The Clampus. Yeah, the Clampus. So just like that. <laughs> um, I got something for you. For You're talking about your river fishing, and I, since you are the style of fisherman kind of like me, I have a bait you need to try. And it's for the listeners, it's going to be on Mayhem's 1000 Cast. You, uh, deadhead, deadhead musky tackle. You carry the T-bone and all that. Yep. He makes a gar bait. Okay. And, I, yep. and I've talked about this bait for two years now, and it does not seem like anyone's listening. And I understand because it looks super stupid. And I've told Speed that, so I know he's not going to get mad. The bait looks extremely dumb, and I think that's the reason no one bought it. But I bought it with the idea of that long nose being able to dig into a structure and get right out of it. And I'm telling you right now, that is by far the best bait ever. If you're fishing wood, if you're fishing a lay down, if you're fishing logs, if you're fishing stumps, it's unbelievable. The thing will hardly ever get snagged up. They will get snagged. I'm not going to say they won't, but they come out of it nine times out of 10. And you know, just as well as I do making that contact to the structure, um, triggers fish. And that bait is phenomenal for that. It, it'll go right in that stuff and come right out of it. Um, we caught some fish on it. Where? Tennessee. Tennessee and West Virginia. I think so. Yep. And it does catch big fish. I don't know why, but I've had some really, really nice fish eat that thing. The other thing that, you know, Chase is saying that he hasn't been fishing, but the last couple of days he's been out, um, he was using that bait in the weeds as well. Yeah. And remarkably through the weeds, it doesn't get snagged up that bad either. Yeah, I was playing with it because um, I was curious. I did not think it would. Because if you're looking at this bait, if, if you guys look at a picture of this bait, you're going to think I'm absolutely nuts because Speed is known for having multiple triple hooks. He's got three three-out mustads on it. And uh, looking at it, it looks like how could a fish ever bite that and not get hooks in it? Well, they generally do get hooked up pretty good, but it does not hook on wood very good, which is a great thing. But I did throw it in the weeds last night, um, went out for a couple hours, fishing some edge fishing and we had kind of like a little cold front and it, the fish that I worse that I was seeing off the edge were gone. So I figured they were buried in the weeds and they weren't coming out to look at bucktail. So I put the gar bait on and they have a slow sink. And then he also has weights for them that you can put on it to make it sink a little bit quicker. So I had a weight on it and I was letting it actually sink down in the weeds. And then I just popping it right through the weeds and I was going through cabbage. I was going through coontail, which we all know coontail is awful and you can't hardly get anything through it. Surprisingly enough, I fished that bait for probably 30 minutes, did that for probably 30 minutes long. And I had, I think two casts where I brought in weeds. I couldn't believe it. Leave so it I, think it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be good. Leave Real it to good. Chase to try to sell baits that I don't have again. Good job, Chase. Well, let's we'll work on that next, I guess, huh? <laughs> I guess so. So I, I've seen it. It definitely looked pretty odd, and I was kind of wondering who would buy one of those, and now I know. Oh, I tend to do that. He had the he had the L-tail back in the day, the little rubber bait. I don't know if very many people are fishing or not, and I, I got it, and they were made for creek fishing, and I started jigging them in the river or in the lake and uh, caught a couple 50 inches on it, and it's been lights out since every all the Southern shows that speed goes to, he sells out of L tells every single show. So they're, they're unbelievable baits. That guy, that guy has made some extremely cool baits over the years. All right. Well, I think that, uh, for us not having very much direction with this episode, hopefully people can get a little bit of 
something out of it, whether it be, uh, you know, us going through five questions or, or talking about, you know, hard work and, and guiding. All right. Well, with that, I want to thank our listeners, as always, for tuning in every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whenever you happen to, you know, bump into one of our episodes. And we will see everybody again with a new one next Wednesday. <laughs>